Where am I aching to go? Fuck, I don't know. And the only thing I could think of was, I guess, daycare to take Harry to daycare. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, like, I, mean, I, I love, it's so cool, like, having this much time with him. Yeah. Especially at the age that he's at, because he's like learning so much, and it's and the influence that I'm having on him, and that he's having on me, like it's it's really really cool. But I'm excited. I think the first place I want to go, like I can't wait to get him back in daycare because if this love that he and I have is going to last, if the love that he and Katie has is going to last, if our marriage is going to like he needs to get the fuck out of the house. I'm Don Hall, and I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. The Literate Apecast is not responsible for triggering your PTSD because we are warning you right now that we might. If coarse language or base stupidity from two white guys is not your jam, look elsewhere for your workout podcast. supposed to clear our throat before we start recording i don't know how this works i can edit it out there was uh, or maybe i won't and that's half my fun when i worked in radio i worked with a guy um fuck it his name was tom chase uh <laughs> there you go just go for yeah, who gives a he uh every time like before he would because if i'd be in the studio with him or if i'd just hear him like off the air but like on headphones <clears throat> And then he would go right into it. And it was always like the morning, like the, that first throat clear of the day. Oh, yeah. Always right before he, and I, like whatever works for you, it's fine. It yeah, was just like, you gotta have ah, your thing. Man, like, Jesus. Anyway, why I so feel much that way phlegm? every day. Yeah. Why so much phlegm? Uh, but yes, uh, we did not have a podcast last week. Uh, I, had, uh, I had some family surrealism to deal with. Um, so. Well, you know. let's, for those who may not have read the piece. Well, that's going to be one of my, my three things. So, so okay. you know, hopefully they'll read it then. But yeah, I mean, my nephew died and it was weird and kind of grisly and surreal. And yeah, just, you know, it was weird. And um, it's, and I have to ask the question. Sure. But how you doing? Like, I mean, I, I'm good. I'm yeah, good. Like yeah. all things considered, like it sucks. It's really sad. It's well, it's like you know. I wrote in my piece, uh, you know, the three days rule doesn't sound realistic and probably isn't, but it still works. I mean, three days to mourn, piss and moan, have all, all the feels mm-hmm. and then day four, you got to get up and get your shit done. So yeah. we, we're, we're back in Vegas and uh, I'm getting my shit done. looks like uh, we're not going to be. There was the plan that we were going to open uh, the casino the 22nd uh, mm-hmm. you know, for Lab- for Memorial Day weekend, and it does not look like the governor of, uh, although Arizona apparently is opening their casinos. Well, there you go. So everybody, so everybody here Everyone's in Nevada is just down. a bunch yep. of whiny bitches about, well, yeah, when do I get my Captain Morgan and my <laughs> craps? It's like, shut the fuck up, all right? It'll open when it opens. I, I try and listen through the complaining, like, what are you complaining about beyond the open up, bring, make America thrive again, or whatever the fuck stupid chants are going on out there. Um, yeah. Like, is this because you just want to do something or is this because you want to get back to work? 
That's what well, I'm see, trying to pay thing. attention to. Most people, you know, those most are two people, very different things. Most people that do, are doing most of the bitching are not are not bitching that they want to get back to work. It's that they want to go party. They want to do what they want. They they don't like the government telling them what to do because this is just a way to get rid of Donald Trump and blah blah. But shut the fuck how up. That, how does that even make? It's not even worth talking about. It doesn't make it's okay. sense. I had, it's, I had a guy. Insane. I had a guy I work with. He goes, Hey, hey. All right, you ready? You know what's going to happen in the election. I said, well, tell me, why don't do, you tell, do tell okay. yes. yeah, tell me what, tell me what's going to happen in the election. Well, you know, in October, they're going to realize they're going to basically, the Democratic Party is going to say, yeah, well, Joe Biden really is demented and he's not fit for office. So we've got to switch out a nominee and they're going to put Hillary Clinton in there. And then her, her running mate's going to be Barack Obama because he was president, but he, he could be vice president. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, yeah. And then Barack will pull out his giant black magic cock and start fucking, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton. And then she's going to pull out her fucking dragon eggs uh-huh. and light herself on fire. And yep. it's like, who gives a, what a load of shit, yeah. which as I mentioned to you before and is, uh, is, will be in, uh, the eighth this week. I, I binged watch, watched, uh, 76 fucking hours Jesus. of Game of Thrones. Jesus. Because I never watched it. I refused to watch it. And so I decided I was going to watch it all. And, uh, and so I have my thoughts. I why have my did thoughts. You, why did you refuse to watch Game of Thrones? Because I'm with you. Or I'm with the old you. Yeah. I've, I've never watched it. I have no desire I, to watch it. I trust that it's yeah. really great television, that the well, writing the, is... The books are really good. But I just... I, I, so I like I I've, like fantasy and dragons and medieval. Yeah, I've time never stuff, read the but... books. Yeah, I never read the books. But no, I, I I watched the very first episode, like in April of 2011. I watched the first episode. Okay, and I was way in. I was like, oh my god, I love Sean Bean. I mean, I do. I just love Sean yeah. Bean. I thought, I thought, oh, he's Ned Stark. Oh yeah, this is great. This is kind of interesting. Oh, we've got the incest. We've got the evil, you know, brother sister fucking, and they knock him out the window, and it's like, oh, this okay. So this has got some. Some of that Lord of the Rings thing, maybe we'll have elves. I don't know. So I'm like, all right, this sounds interesting. Well, that's if, if there's <coughs> two things friend. that you love in your in your media consumption, it's elves yeah. and incest. We know yeah, that. I'm, I'm down. Yeah. I'm down with. It. I'm down yeah. with it. And then uh, and then uh, a friend of mine, when I was like, oh, did you see Game of Thrones? And she had read the books, or she was in the process of reading the books, or read the first book, or whatever the fuck it was. And she said, yeah. And I started going on, and she said, no, I didn't see it. I said, oh my god, Sean Bean playing Ned Stark, and dude, I mean, he's like, you know, he's super cool and i really like that actor and all this kind of she goes well you know that like i don't even know when but real soon they're just going to cut his head off <laughs> and i looked at her and he said what are you fucking talking about she said no they cut i mean he's like really early they they decapitate ned stark and i went well fuck that shit and i said i'm not watching <laughs> that shit and so i never watched another fucking episode yeah and so you know i mean years into it and everybody's going fucking nuts for this and it's just yeah. huge pop culture phenomenon and at that point i was dug down i'm not fucking going into it. about yeah. season yeah. about season five or something like that i, I kind of told myself you know what you motherfuckers i'm gonna wait till it's all done mm-hmm. it's all in the can and then i'm just gonna watch it all at once because one of the things i really got frustrated hearing about was like oh my god did you see the ending it's a cliffhanger now we have to yeah. wait a year for the next like oh shut, shut the, the fuck, fuck up, up. Yeah. here's my theory blur 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 it's like i don't give a shit about your fucking theory shut the fuck up i'm gonna watch it all once like so now it's all in I realize, oh, hey, thank you, COVID quarantine. 
I have a bit more time than I would have. Yeah. And it didn't occur to me when I started that I was I was in for seventy six hours yeah, of that's prestige television. Yeah. Um, but prestige yeah, like, television. yeah, but you know, like I said, the thing I thought was fascinating because I enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> would seventy six hours of subpar television be different than being? Oh yeah, in yeah, a, yeah. Seventy six. Well, I wouldn't go seventy. To prestige uh, I would not go through seventy six hours of of subpar television regardless but uh no one of the things i thought was funny about it was because i liked it um and i actually only recommend if anybody watches it they've never seen it and they want to do the same kind of like i don't want to watch it now Mm -hmm. is just 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 endure 73 the last three episodes you know everybody's bitching about how the ending is just 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 don't watch just I, i choose to forget the last three episodes because if you're a fan of Game of Thrones, you know it's like the very first thing. It's like the first fucking episode. It's like one of the first things. Winter is coming. Yeah. And the whole idea is that the winter is coming and it's going to be the Night King and the fucking undead army. And they're going to cover the whole world with fucking snow and kill all humans, right? Okay. All right. So this is a big deal. This is like, mm-hmm. you know, all the intrigue and all the throne bullshit and all the like games. The Game of Thrones. Great. But the big deal is winter's coming. It's going to yeah. fuck us all. So... By the time you get to episode 73, or hour 73, or 72, all right, it's the big battle. It's the epic battle against winter, against the Night King and the, this giant fucking zombie army and all, and a, you know, a fucking dead dragon that shoots blue flame. It's all like shit. It's crazy. What kind of weaponry do they have to fight winter? Is it like the shovels with the ergonomic shovels or snowblowers, electric shovels, things like that? No, this is in medieval times. So they just had sticks. They had to shovel their driveways with sticks? They didn't have driveways, dude. This is like medieval times kind of thing. Well, but they had like... And what I did, what I made sure I did like every time I watched it... walk-ups to castles? Well, every time I watched it, what I got was I got sort of like a bland uh, chicken leg... <laughs> You know, and, oh. a, a, and a roll, <laughs> and then and then a plastic uh, medieval times cup filled yeah. with ale, right? And that, and I ate Pepsi, with my hands, right? yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. and I ate and I ate with my hands and stuff like that. And then every once in a while, when somebody would, you know, when a knight would be killed, I go, oh, the Green yeah. Knight, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, so it was, <laughs> it drove Dana crazy because that's seventy six hours of me doing that, eating yeah. like a fucking, you know, turkey legs and shit, whatever, eating like a seven year old tourist in Schomburg. Yes, yes, yeah. but what I'm what I'm saying is, end it after they defeat the Night King, and then and then walk away. They fucking walk away because the, the last three episodes. I mean, once you save the fucking world, who gives a shit who sits on the fucking Iron Throne? Yeah, that's how I feel about Dexter. Like, but you don't need the last three seasons. See that uh, the the thing is, I'm same way as Dexter. I watched the first. I want to say I watched the first four episodes. I went. I don't know. This is just a little too precious for me. I'll wait till it's over. And then everybody said the last three have the see. So I'm not going to watch, you yeah. know, whatever, however many hours of mediocre, yeah, you don't uh, need it. Prestige TV. It's, it's like it's just not shit. that fucking. Yeah, like I like the idea and I like Michael C. Hall, but not that fucking much. It was so. I kept watching it because I I was in it and I'm like, how bad can this possibly yeah, get? Yeah, and endings it got matter. Stupid. Yeah, endings. Yeah, you got endings matter. All right, so. This is one of the one of the things because, as I said, you know, I've done the Game of Thrones thing, as I was saying, but during all this nonsense and COVID nineteen, all the fucking nonsense mm. is uh, is yeah. Last last week, my uh, my nineteen year old nephew died. Yeah, and 
Dana and I went to left Vegas and went to Wichita immediately to help and you know be be there for my my sister and my mom. And the day after we got there, my Dana and my mom went to walk the dog, and the dog got under my mom, and my mom fell on the concrete and broke her leg and her left wrist and had to be in the hospital in a hospital because of COVID nineteen that will not allow visitors. So mom spent her Mother's Day on FaceTime with us in traction. Um, oh, God. And it, it's a, it, so it was a very, it was a very weird, it was surreal. It was a weird experience. But what it made me think about, because I made a comment and then, uh, and then I thought, oh, that's, that's, a, that's kind of an interesting question. I really, I've thought about it, but not really deeply. So it's actually a double, double-edged question that I'm going to ask you. Mm-hmm. If, if there is an author, like if it doesn't be a famous author, but if there is an author who you think is writing your life, writing the style of your life, whatever that it's an author, who's that author? And then the secondary question is if there's a director directing the film of your life, which director is it? Ooh, well, I've thought about the author one and I think I have to go with Emily Giffen. All right. So tell me why Emily Giffen. New York Times best-selling author Emily Giffen. Yeah, uh, she is the author of Something Borrowed, a novel. Something Blue, a novel. Baby Proof, Love the One You're With, Heart of the Matter, Where We Belong, The One and Only, First Comes Love, All So in other words, you're completely book, full of shit. You're completely no, okay. No, her new book, The Lies That Bind. Here's the thing: Emily Giffen writes. Uh, I mean, it's it's people looking for love, trying to find their place in the world, struggle with the challenges that face them, and she she writes chiclet, and I just I'm I just I just want a so once man again to love me. So once again, I give you the question, and you do not take it seriously. I do take it seriously. I think Emily that Emily Giffen, Giffen is, writing is not. My life. She is not writing your fucking life. That yes, is not and it's very unfortunate. Uh, no, that is that is not who's writing your life. Come on. Let me tell you, listen listen to the, the description of this book and tell me this is not my life. All right. It's 2 a.m. on a Saturday night in the spring of 2001, and 28-year-old Cecily Gardner sits alone in a dive bar on New York's Lower East Side questioning her life. Come on. Like, I haven't done that? Yeah, Come on. This is true. All right, that's fair. Feeling lonesome and homesick for the Midwest, huh? She wonders if she'll ever no. make it as a reporter in the big city and whether she made a terrible mistake in breaking up with her longtime boyfriend, Matthew. As Cecily reaches for the phone to call him, she hears a guy on the barstool next to her say, Don't do it. You'll regret it. And something tells her to listen to him. And over the next several hours and shots of tequila, the two forge an unlikely connection. That should be it. They both decide the next morning, as Cecily reminds herself of the peril. So, by the way, they fucked. I don't know if you picked that little bit up. Yeah, I kind of yeah, okay. got the fuck thing, um, yeah. Moreover, the timing couldn't be worse. Grant is preparing to quit his job. <laughs> Fucking Grant. <laughs> yeah, dude, this is not your life. This is this. <laughs> This is some fucking horse shit. That's not even. Oh my god, Emily I, Giffen. But I did. I. This is. I. I hate that I do this, but I just. I feel like. In the weirdest way that Hunter is no longer writing it because he's been dead for fifteen years now. But is Hunter Thompson the author? No. Is he? No. Is, okay. No. Hunter Thompson is not. That's that's and there is a difference. That's the thing. There's a difference between. 
who you want to be writing your life and who is okay. actually writing your life. I mean, because that's the thing is if I if if, if I okay. want to what what author do I want to have been writing my life? I, well, I want David Foster Wallace because yeah. I mean, and it fits on some level because it's ridiculously overly verbose. Mm-hmm. It's constant word salad, never ending. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's very little punctuation. There's not a lot of punctuation. Right, it's dense, and if you don't follow it, you fall asleep. I mean, this is and it's weird. Okay, it's weird stuff and lots of th- okay. I'd love that. Yeah, but David Foster Wallace is in fact not. The, the characters he writes are nothing like the people I, I in my life. His issues, while I can probably uh, familiarize and kind of get some of them, right. they're not really. Yeah, so that's a, that. If I know you want Hunter S. Thompson to be writing your life, but he is absolutely not writing your life. You're I, too yeah. much. Uh, no offense, but you're just way too much of a pussy to have him be writing your life. One hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, and that's not an insult. It's just like no. I, compared I, to Hunter S. Thompson, everybody's kind of a pussy, so yeah. it's okay. I, yeah. Katie will often, she's like, you just want to be like Hunter S. Thompson. I go, I mean, parts of it, but not all of it because I, I can't, I could never keep up. He was kind of a fucking monster. He was a monster. <laughs> he was, he was, he was kind of a stinky fucker. He was on drugs all the time. Yeah. He was inconsistent. He never showed up on time. He blew deadlines. Um, you know, okay. Yes. He was a genius who defined a writing style, but he also shot himself in a fucking f- face. So, and it's like, <laughs> right. you know, it's like, I mean, so to want to be Hunter S. Thompson is, uh, I don't think a great goal. No. Aspects, but, aspects of yeah, him, I'd aspects like, of others. Yes. Fine. Would I have liked to hung, hang out with him for a while? You're sure. Right, would I yeah. want to spend the night at his house? Not a fucking chance. Ooh, I would probably do that, but I wouldn't want to spend a night in his house because you know I'd probably get a contact high, and then he'd probably stick something up my ass. I'm not interested in any of that. Yeah. Yeah, or wake you up at like gunpoint at three in the yeah, morning. Yeah, at gunpoint. Exactly. Yeah. Wake you up at gunpoint and start ranting at now you. Get it's up, like, fucker! Yeah. Get up! It's time to go. It's time for breakfast. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, no, no, yeah, no, no. That, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, cause I have, I did actually think about this and I really couldn't because I don't think that anybody, any writer that's writing my life shouldn't be writing because I, my life's not that exciting right now. It's just no, like, but, it's, no, no, you're, and again, you're looking at your life right now. It's your life. You are 40 years old. It's your life. Well, there's, then there's I'm a, writing it. No, I'm no, come because, on. Well, because See, I've written it. I've, I mean, I think, I mean, all right, so let me, I'll throw some out that maybe, maybe fit. Woody yeah. Allen. Is Woody Allen right in your life? You do I, wear the whole, I'm a non, I'm a non-practicing Jew thing pretty I, aggressively. I would say. You have a lot of anxiety. You have a lot of, uh, a lot of stories about missed connections and bad women. You even put on your, uh, your uh, post-it notes talking yeah. about how you spent more yes, time in your yes. life with the wrong women than with the right. You know, I mean, so that might I, be a Woody would, Allen thing. I would say that Woody Allen would be my director. Versus okay, my, so Woody Allen would be your yes. director. So yeah. if Woody Allen, okay, so and that's also yeah. kind of a game. So if Woody Allen right. could be the writer because he's also a writer. Yes, so who's but so who's the writer? I mean, that's that's. I don't you know. know. I don't know. I really, I, uh, Nick Hornby, maybe. Yeah, oh, I can see Nick that. Nick Hornby, yeah. Nick Hornby might be that. Okay, I can see Nick Hornby being the author and Woody Allen being your director. I can see that. that yeah. That, that, that actually has, yeah, that actually has some resonance. Why not? Yeah, you know? I, I guess that's. So tell me about Nick Hornby. Well, you said Nick Hornby and it popped in your head like a light bulb. What about Nick Hornby's well, characters and right. his sort of his story arcs fit the profile of your life? There's always this, this um, I don't want to say always, but 
often in a lot of his characters, there's the struggle of trying to fit into the societal norms, trying to do the right thing, trying to find their place in which club they should belong in. Sometimes Mm -hmm. that club is the relationship. Sometimes that club is uh, the music you listen to. Like, you know, High Fidelity has a lot around that. Yeah, yeah. Um, As well as other, you know, other themes going through it. Um, But yeah, and and his people are always, they're kind of, they're bigger losers in their mind than they are in real life. Than they or, are in real life. They're very focused on music and yeah. how how music fits into their life. Nick Corbin was very big about, not just in High Fidelity, but was very focused on yeah. how music plays a part, you know, in, in, in a person's day-to-day life. Okay, I can yeah. see that. I yeah. like that. That's a good, okay, that's a good answer. And there is a book uh, that he wrote Way better called... better than Emily, whatever her fucking Emily Gibbon, I know. Yeah, whatever. Jesus. Uh, but he, the, he wrote a book called... How to be good. I think this yeah. is like it came out in 2011, 2009, yeah. something like that. I don't sure. know. Um, but the characters are Katie and David. And this is before I met Katie. Yeah. All um, right. And it's not Katie and I at all. Um, but it's like it's this, this story of like these two people getting a divorce. Uh, it's just it's this it's a it's a really interesting, a really interesting book. It's a good book. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, probably Nick Hornby would be my. My author, okay. And yeah. do you do you like Woody Allen as your director? You were yes, on, you were, yeah, because okay. that was the first yeah. one that came to mind when yeah you asked that question. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. See, mine are uh, my author is John Irving. Okay, I mean because I mean you know, and that's the thing is like I look at my life, uh, you know, I have this surreal experience of like okay, his, his son is his or his nephew is dead from an overdose in a car, and then his mom breaks her leg on a fucking spastic pug pup. <laughs> You know, and then I spent the whole time figuring out how to cremate. I mean, nothing, nothing, nothing is more weird and I think more John Irving feeling than type than being dealt dealing with legitimate grief and then having to sit down at the search bar and type in budget cremation Wichita in Google. I mean, you know, it's just there's there's just like this distancing, you know, uh, you know, the fact that my mother's that my name when I was born was uh was Coop Deville Hall and then my name was changed to Don to you know because my aunt wouldn't have my name be Coop Deville because that's like apparently where I was conceived. That's a very John Irving kind of feel. You know, there's you know, it's like I, I maybe I'm the circus bear, you know, and it, I don't know, but I think about the world of courting to Garp and I'm like, yeah, I I I know yeah. these people. My fuck I mean we're there and we're talking to my sister and my mom and just hearing about stories about my grandma, Betty yeah. and some of my cousins. And at one point I look at Dan and I said, you know, maybe you wouldn't know it to look at me, but man, my family is just a bunch of fucking white trash. Holy shit. <laughs> I mean, just, we are just the weirdest bunch of motherfuckers. You know, I was telling a friend last night about this. We were talking about this very thing. And I thought, you know, it's like, you think about it. It's like my grandpa Jay and my grandma, Betty, grandma, Betty is a character right out of fucking John Irving. Mm-hmm. You know, she was she was married to, you know, a, a World War II hero. He comes home as an oil rigger. She's bipolar, but she didn't know she was bipolar because before they started telling people they were bipolar. But yeah. what we did know was she was a housewife in the middle of Hoisington, Kansas, who once in a while would just paint all the walls black. Wow. Cause she just did. Nobody knew she was nuts, right? Yeah. You know, and then you have then you have my 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 mom's brother, my uncle Junior, 
Nobody called him by his name. He was always called Uncle Junior. This is a kid that was so terrified of the world. And my grandpa, who was just mean-spirited, at one point, like, he just played tricks on it because he was such a weenie kid. Yeah. And he would, like, at one point, he got everybody <laughs> to talk to them without making sound to convince Junior that he was deaf. And Junior thought he was fucking deaf. It fucking panicked because he thought he was deaf because everybody was talking, but he couldn't hear them say anything. Oh I mean, God. this is this is the shit that's sort of like, oh, yeah, this is the fucking world according to Garp. These are these characters in my life. And yeah. so um, I absolutely think it's John Irving. And then that's the good. direct. Yeah. Yeah. The director is not one I'm happy about because I actually don't particularly care for this director for the most part. There's a couple movies I think are great, but mm-hmm. I don't really like most of his work. But I think it fits. Yeah. Because I think John Irving is sort of like if Wes Anderson was blue collar and wrestled. So I think Wes Anderson's directing my life. Because I think about like the Royal Tannenbaums and I go, yeah, yeah that's, you know, those that's fucking weird ass people. That's the first thing that came to mind. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking about Bottle Rocket. Yeah, yeah. The, what is the life of Steve Zissou or whatever the... Yeah, yeah, the, the life aquatic with Steve life Zissou. Life aquatic, that's it, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, it's it's they're quirky, they deal with real issues, but in a very odd way, you know. So that I mean that was that's what I came up with as I was like yeah jo- definitely John Irving's writing my life but if somebody's directing my life it's probably Wes Anderson. But I feel like Wes Anderson might be too soft for you. Well, that's the thing is I, I think he's twee. That's yeah. why I don't like I don't like that's why I don't like most Wes Anderson is because I think it's just a little too cute for my tastes. But the stuff that I don't think is too cute, like I mean the Royal Tannenbaums feels like my fucking family. I mean, they're they're definitely New York, and they've got a different vibe. But the, the, the like the strangeness of everything yeah. and the odd marriages, and you know, it just it mm. fits. I can't think of any other director that 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 directs. I mean, I like if it were a director that I want to be direct, I'd love it if Jim Jarmusch was directing my life. You know what I mean? It's like it yeah. fits, but I'm not that cool or that interesting. I would think that you're more of a. Uh, maybe James Cameron. Oh God damn it! Hey, you know, there's uh, no, there's no fucking Terminator in my life, and I'm not, you know, come no, on. No, but there's there's big and bombastic, and there's uh, there is some weirdness to it. I mean, fucking Avatar and Terminator are very weird things. Uh, all right, but the characters I, are kind of grounded in very serious dystopian yeah. reality. You know, there's not any. There's not any wacky in James Cameron. James Cameron doesn't do anything that's wacky. And I look around at me, and even even you know, it's my life, but it's yeah. the people around me and all the yeah. all the sub characters in my life kind of thing. And they're that's they're wacky. That's definitely what makes the Wes Anderson work for you. Is yeah, the, they're the just characters. They're just wacky and they're goofy and they're funny. Surrounded and... by people that can't throw a punch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. That's kind of and <laughs> that. But wow, but see, I put I'm, it that way. But yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to think of like. Your before I knew you, but you're like yeah. your your bar fighting days. Your oh yeah, those were the early. You know, days. you're you're yelling at Cub Scouts days. Your well, the thing is, is the thing is like if it's if it's you know that's if Wes Anderson, it's like think of uh, what's the one yeah. with uh, with you know what I'm talking about. You know exactly I, what I'm talking about. Yes, yeah, you know uh, Rushmore. Rushmore, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, 
Yeah, yeah everybody's got a past true. and yeah. how their past influences who they are at that moment. That's, you know, that's part of that. And so, yeah, you know. Wes, yeah, that's fine. I guess that works. I guess that works. I mean, if it's a director I want to be directing, it's either Jim Jarmusch or maybe uh, Fincher. I'd love I was, it. I again. was surprised you didn't say Fincher, but I guess well, Fincher that's, is that's, your that's who I would want. Yeah, Thompson, that's yeah. who. That's who I would want yeah. to be directing my life. Except that it would be really, really serious, kind of cold blooded. Yeah, you know. I mean, there's there's an argument maybe Paul Thomas Anderson, but I, you know, mm. you know, the the thing is again, they're not that funny. Yeah, they're you know, they're human and they're but there's very serious stuff. And yeah, there's things in my life that are serious, but for the most part. I live in a very wacky world, you know, and yeah. and the people the people that I that I encounter and I work with are, you know, I mean, I mean, just my job trajectory feels like John Irving and Wes Anderson. You know what I mean? It's like public school teacher, yeah, theater I guy, totally hear public radio guy. Yeah, yeah, like the know? opening cre- the opening scene of your of your Wes Anderson film, and there's Alec yeah, Baldwin. He was a a public school teacher in Chicago after shortly after busking. On the streets of Chicago, you know, whatever the fuck, you know, yeah. And, and now, then, yeah. and now he's a casino manager, casino manager yeah. in a shithole casino. And you know, I mean, it, it, yeah. it, it just kind of, yeah, it just kind of, yeah, like, that right, kind of yeah. works. Yeah, doesn't matter if I like the director that much, but it, he definitely trucks in that sort of bizarre and wacky uh, bullshit. Just like I, like I said, I swear, like a John Irving is because, because, uh, yeah, yeah, I love, I hell. I I'm, I feel like right now in COVID nineteen Stephen King's writing my life, but he's writing everybody's life. So, it's, yeah. <laughs> did you see yeah. there was a? I don't know where I saw it. If it was on Facebook or a friend sent it to me through text, but it's some Twitter thread where Stephen King. I, I think he was responding to somebody that said like, "This is just like the Stand," and Stephen King was like, "This is not just like the Stand. Uh, this is beatable." Stay home, wash your hands, take the right precautions, something like that. But he and, also really, he also really enjoyed the fact that because in in the stand, the the disease is called Captain Trips. Yeah. And somebody said, "Can we just call it Captain Trump?" And he loved that Stephen King yeah. liked that. He was down with that. Well, his somebody responded to Stephen King saying, "What are you talking about? Have you even read the book?" Which I I think the guy was oh, kidding. Yes. I think the yeah. guy was kidding, but it was pretty funny. Stephen King was actually on an episode of Fresh Air that I meant to send to you. Oh, I want to hear that. Maybe. Oh, I know. I heard that. A month ago at some point. I did. Yeah, no, I did hear that. I, I listened to that. I listened to that on the radio. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. he was talking about the stand because um, yeah. Terry Gross kept asking him. <laughs> like, she really yeah, kept well, pressing it. Like, but it's like the stand, right? This is just like it. It feels weird that you wrote this, right? And he's like, and, yeah. Uh, no, no yeah. I mean, not really. <laughs> so I think, I think this, is, this is part the stand and part the dead zone. Dude, I don't know what this is. I... Because you know the dead zone, right? Uh, no. It's basically the guy that uh, that that he he's got you know he can he's got second sight he's got the shining so to speak, and he can see the future and he ends up touching this senator this this wannabe senator who's running for president, and realizes that this guy's going to become the next Hitler, and so that he has to decide is he going to kill the guy or not, is he going to assassinate this this not quite you know it's got that it's got that taxi driver kind of things i gotta deal with this yeah and so that's the dead zone in the movie martin sheen is the evil politician and Mm -hmm. christopher walken plays the main character but this is sort of like if the stand and the dead zone caught together because we've Hmm. got this terrible disease and a horrifying monster (laughs) asshole dickweed um as our president so you know i 
this shit, I really don't see this shit ending anytime soon between Trump and Biden and the COVID and like just this, and this shit being like the state of what I keep, I, I, I'm so, fu- I've said this before. I'm so fucking tired. I'm so exhausted. And like the, the mental exhaustion has kicked in, but the physical exhaustion is kicking in like all this week. I've been trying to get, go to bed early and I've been and doing wake it up at a decent time. Yeah. Up. Yeah. But it's I wake hard. up at like seven to Harry going, Daddy, wake up. Like I sleep yeah. through my alarm. I'm not getting up early to write. I'm just, I'm fucking wiped out. Oh, I, dude, I just came back from Kansas I mean, with yeah. my dead fucking nephew. I, I'm having a hard time finding yeah. any kind of bearing, but that's that's one of the things I've been trying to do. It's just like, I'm going to get up at like six. If I can get up at six. Yeah. I mean, we found it. We found it. You know, it's like when I... We had to come back as uh, from Kansas when we did because uh, the corporation I work for, Station Casinos, was giving was basically requiring everybody get a free COVID test. Mm-hmm. So I got my antibody test and my I'm going to stick a thing fucking up your nose into your goddamn brain stem. Yeah, uh, you know COVID test. I I don't have the results yet. And in fact, somebody just said, "Did they give you the results?" And I yeah, yeah. Um, but I had to do that, and then I had to do a training. Um, for supervisors, and I'm thinking in my mind, this training is going to be like, here are protocols that we're going to be following once we reopen the casinos, mm-hmm. yada, yada. Yeah. And no, what it, what it really was, was there's a difference between positivity and optimism. And we want optimistic management, not positive. You know, I mean, it was just like, the are fuck you fucking kidding? Are you fucking? So, so it's just, we're, you're wasting three hours of my day. I got to sit in a fucking ballroom with 50 other people at six feet apart with fucking masks on. And the reason I'm here is so you can give me a rah-rah cheer up. So Here's can, how you do good customer service bullshit. You can redefine optimism. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they said, you know, and it was like, you know, I'm the most fucking optimistic guy I know. So yeah. this is wasted on me. Um, but, you God. know, so we, you know, it was just that. And so we did that. And then. Their plan was we were going to open uh, Memorial Day weekend, but then yeah. our governor got on there and said, "Nope, we're gonna we're still crushing crushing the numbers. We're still using the data. So it's probably not going to be till June. Yeah. Fuck, you know, it could be pushed back to July. I, you know, as long as I'm still getting paid, I don't care. Um, right. right, you know, and, and, you know, and, and and we're ready to open. I know next week we've got uh, uh, we've got some." staff meetings that we have to do like 22 staff meetings because we can only put 16 people in a room at a time mm-hmm. so you know we're gonna do that it's like all right it's a weird I, so at work we have like i think it's like every quarter we do like like a, a all agency meeting and that's different than the all agency meeting we have every monday morning eh, whatever anyway so <laughs> there's this all agency meeting and what the coordinator of it she asked everybody um, where's the one place or the first place you would like to go when all this is over? Like send a picture and a short caption. And I was thinking about it and I'm like, I, like, I haven't felt, I don't think that I felt l- stuck or locked away or anything like that, you know, like, yeah. and I've said this before, like, it's easier for me to work from home because I worked from home for, yeah. 10 years, you know, with offices elsewhere but like i was freelancing so i was at home yeah you know. so, so so yeah it's your jam and katie was freelancing so like we worked in the same apartment for like so this isn't that different yeah and but i was saying like where the fuck would i want to go like i don't know to fix the boat and get it in the water no that's that's like i'm not i'll get You're to do motivated. that yeah yeah, yeah. I don't, like that just didn't like get me like, where am i aching to go 
Fuck, I don't know. And the only thing I could think of was, I guess, daycare to take Harry to daycare. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, I, like, mean, I, I love, it's so cool, like, having this much time with him. Yeah. Especially at the age that he's at, because he's like learning so much, and it's and the influence that I'm having on him, and that he's having on me, like it's it's really really cool. But I'm excited. I think the first place I want to go, like I can't wait to get him back in daycare, because if this love that he and I have is going to last, if the love that he and Katie has is going to last, if our marriage is going to, like he needs to get the fuck out of the house. Yeah, yeah. You he have, needs to you go back. Some... He needs to go back to, to preschool. Yeah, there's like, got to be respite. Yeah, there's yeah. got to be respite. Yeah. But like I. But I was also thinking this morning that I just, I need to fucking shake something up. Like, I don't know if it's just because it's about time for us to move. Like, we're we're growing out of the apartment. Yeah, yeah. The apartment's getting a little tight. Yeah, Our fucking kids getting neighbors, bigger. Like, shit's just, we're like, we've been here almost, I think it'll be seven, seven years. Yeah, yeah. That's a long time. Like, Oh, it's a long time in, a, in an apartment. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I think the longest I was ever in an apartment was six years. So I don't think I was ever in any place seven years. This is other than the house that I grew up in. Yeah. This is the longest I've lived anywhere. Okay. There you go. That's crazy to me. Cause like I owned a home in Las Vegas. You know what I mean? Like I had my own house. It's just, it's weird. Um, I don't know. Like I just, it's just, it's weird. I don't know. I don't know where the fuck I was going with that. (laughs) But like, right. just the exhaustion of, of like, yeah, I want to be a fucking Hunter Thompson character right now because I want to just fucking get in the car and oh, just go. go. And yeah. I just well, want to get the thing is, where would up. you see? I don't. That's things I, I mean, it's like, all right, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not over drinking, but I'm drinking well, a little bit. But it's like, it's like yesterday, uh, you know, we've got a friend here in town, uh, Jason, who just bought a new house and he and his son are living there where he's got a roommate and he's got a pool. So it was like, Hey, let's come over here, you know, and have a pool. And we just sat and drank and sat and he did, you know, he had his, he's got like a fire pit. So he lit the fire and we just kind of hung out, you know, yeah. um, you know, I know tonight we're going to go over to a friend of Dana's and, you know, Paul, who is the husband knows I like good bourbon. So he's got some special bourbon and we're going to play cards, you know, just yeah. so I can have Thai food, you know? So we're getting out, but I don't have any burning desire to like, to get to a restaurant. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Or go to a bar. I mean, I'd, it wouldn't be bad, but it's like, I'm not like burning to do. It's not like I'm going motherfucker of, I don't bowl. Yeah. I don't, you know, I, don't I mean, I, I don't need that stuff. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, it's like, okay. So it, and if, you know, going back to the whole, uh, people bitching about the the shutdowns and stuff like that. It's like, okay, I understand if you're not making any money and you're worried about, yeah. you know, not paying your bills. But if the only reason you're upset about uh, the lockdown is because you can't get a haircut. You don't have a- yeah, you, can't, yeah. You, you don't have access to bullshit you didn't really need in the first place. You just yeah. don't have the fun you're having. You actually have to sit in your apartment and look at the fucking waste you've made of your goddamn life. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe maybe that's a good and healthy thing for you to do because yeah, yeah, experience you know, I mean, that, live through that. You and your fucking Captain Morgan and your casino chips can go fuck yourself. It's like yeah. you know, take the time and 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 ask yourself why are you a Republican? And that's really your damage. And deal with that. Stare in the mirror and go, is this the person I really thought I'd be? My this favorite, is the person I want to be? I don't know. My favorite, but also the most frustrating for me are the people that are like outwardly denying obvious science. Like they're going about like masks. If if masks work so well, why is this all fixed? Oh, because masks don't work so well. It's a trick. We've been lied to. And it's like, what? David, why does that surprise you? Oh, We've it been doesn't. fighting against fucking climate deniers 
they're Holocaust deniers. People just, once they believe what they're going to believe, they, whatever their reasons, I don't care why they don't think the mask works. I don't give a shit. Just wear a goddamn mask. It's fucking I'm insane. I'm not going to be of the business to shame you. I'm not going to, like, if I see somebody yeah. not wearing a mask, I'm not going to be an asshole wokester. But yeah. it's like, all right, then, then, I, then, I, then I just know, all right, you guys are doing that. I'm going to go over here. It's so you know? weird. It's like nobody or people that don't trust anything. Like, how do you get, like, I get it. Like, be suspect of, of power. Be suspect of yeah, the government. Yeah, be critical. I, but, yeah, and I'm right there with you. And I'm I'm critical of some doctors, too. Like, I'll ask my doctor follow-up questions because I don't, this doesn't quite make sense to me. Or you get a second opinion. But to, like, yeah. outrightly, like, nope, CDC is lying to you. Nope, the Mayo Clinic is lying to you. Everybody's lying to you. The Democrats are just trying to ruin this. They're just trying to ruin it for Trump. Why? That's the thing. Like, what My the answer fuck do they to everybody. Have to gain from it, you know. And I've got, I've got some, uh, I've got some very intelligent and thoughtful friends. Yeah. Um, who absolutely thinks this whole think this whole thing's a hoax. And one of them, <laughs> and one of them is a good friend of yours that teaches at UNLV. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, really? Uh, yeah. Because you're somebody that I associate with being quite thoughtful and intelligent, and you know, and, and the thing about it is, and we, I started this whole thing when this thing hit, and like uh, it was like December, January, he started talking and making squawk about this. I, I was the first one. Oh, Chicken Little, the sky is falling. You know, I put out a meme saying, "Yeah, I remember Y2K," and we all thought the world was going to end. But I'm not so fucking thick-headed that as. Yeah information came out. So what I've right. been saying to anybody that's got this stuff is like, here, you do what you got to do, but my, what, and you believe what you want to believe. I'm looking at the consensus of credible scientists. And if I look at the consensus of what credible scientists have to say, this is what they're telling us that we need to do. Yeah. Do I, do I think, am I a scientist? No. Am I a fucking doctor? No. Do my epidemiologist? No. I don't know any of this shit. So I'm going to rely on the fucking experts and I'm yeah. not going to rely on just like the outlier expert that says it's all bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Here's my YouTube seminar. <laughs> I'm listening to the consensus of credible scientists. And if those they the say record of credibility, yeah. The, and, those, and if, and if yeah. that, that body of information says, to, says, Hey, wear the masks, wash your fucking hands, socially distance, and we really do need to have these lockdowns. And even if you think Sweden didn't lock down and look, it didn't make any difference, there are more complicated issues that you're not really paying attention to, and you're probably not paying attention to the numbers in Sweden anyway. So how, hey, hey. Yeah. Calm down, Don. Just know that this is what we recommend you do, and yeah. we're scientists, and this is this is what we do for our whole lives. Yeah. So maybe we know a little bit more than you, motherfucker, on your Twitter account. Well, Jesus. so much of it is that they're just they just don't want the other to win. I mean, that's yeah. all. It's all so it much is. of it's it, all it is. is is like, yeah, I I would trust. I think a lot of these people would trust the experts, the credible experts. Yeah. If we didn't have the last seven years of politicizing everything and the othering of everybody else. There was an article, I think, in Politico that was all about, it was a really interesting article. I didn't write it down as one of my three things, but it was really interesting. It was basically that this goes all the way back to the 60s um, with Barry Goldwater. and That, that and was that, a good story. Yeah, yes. that was a great article yeah. that, that, that sort of like the concept of libertarianism kind of mm -hmm. came out of that, which is extremism is a great way to combat the overreaching government. 
and that the government is bad and that the government is incompetent and don't trust government. We don't want to rely on government. And it slowly pushed Reagan. You know, I mean, he, he was Reagan it was really drank interesting. Goldwater's Kool-Aid. Yeah. Bowl. Yeah. I mean, and, and so yeah. and so what it is, is this is like two generations of people, maybe three generations of people that have been fed this sort of libertarian don't trust in government bullshit. Yeah. And and now this is where we're at, is that it doesn't matter what experts say. It doesn't matter what the government says. If it feels at all like an infringement on your autonomy, you're going to fight it with tooth and nail. And okay, that's, you know, that, that, and, but, the, but the other thing I'll say, and I've said this before, is as big a deal as it seems like, it's like less than 10% of the country. I mean, they make a lot of fucking noise, but there's not that many of them. It's like yeah. a bunch of really, really loud assholes, you know, in the corner of the bar that's ruined everybody else's time in the bar because they're so goddamn loud. But there's really only five of them, yeah. and they'd be pretty easy to kick the fuck out. So it's like, so you can't get too upset. I mean, that's the thing. I get as upset with the woke, and there's only about 8% of the country that are even in that camp. Yeah. They're just the fucking loudest, noisiest sons of bitches ever. It's so fucking stupid. Stupid. And there's there's just and you're right, like there's only five of them in the bar, but the thing that's surprising to me is like, oh my god, I know you. Like I know three of those five people. And they're pretty smart people, but not I in this case. They were. Yeah, what the fuck? Well no, is see going that on? thing is I can't look I can't look at people that's what I'm trying really hard with you know, like people that I respect their opinion and I and I know to be intelligent, thoughtful human beings. And then they throw out this, yeah, it's all a conspiracy and the government yeah. there's something up and Obama's magic cock and Hillary Clinton's dragon eggs. Um, um, <laughs> that's when I, I go, all right, I'm not going to assume because you have that belief that you are stupid for yeah. the same reason that I don't think people that I know are thoughtful, intelligent people, but are Catholics and are devoted Catholics and believe in God and believe that, uh, you know, the, there was a virgin birth. I don't think they're stupid. Right. I think that belief makes it, it doesn't really fit, but eh, we're right. complicated creatures, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I just, I guess I'll start reading more Nick Hornby, Hornby and pretend that that's my real life. And I think that's what you got to do. And in the meantime, all right, Simeon cohort, here's Don and David with the six things you should do for the week. All right. My first is a read. It's in the Atlantic. Uh, this is some light just to take your mind off things for a bit. Uh, it's in the Atlantic. Uh, it's by, I can't read my handwriting. Um, something or. Eh. The headline is called The Secret... So well-researched. Yeah. The Secret of Scooby-Doo's Enduring Appeal. Oh, I've yes, I've read yeah, that. So give that a go. And um, author or, I'm sorry for not yeah. writing your name out better. My first thing is a watch. <laughs> uh, you should watch the 2020 The Invisible Man. Um, it's really it's really good. I mean, you know, I, like I said, I wrote about it. I, I wrote it. I like to watch about it. It was just, it's like, you know, I, I, I don't... I don't mind having contemporary political and cultural issues presented in reboots of classic stuff, but I would like it not to be just punch me in the face with it. I like, mm -hmm. I like, I want it to be a scary movie mm -hmm. first and then have a message second. And this is very successful in being a very effective, scary movie that mm -hmm. also has a, an extraordinarily potent me too message. And I liked it very mm. much. Okay. I, I really liked it. All right. Uh, my next thing is a read. It's in the New Yorker uh, by Eliza Griswold. How how the coronavirus is killing the middle class. Mm -hmm. Just an mm -hmm. interesting look at the like understanding why some people are upset about certain things or might 
defer to the hoax side of it. Yeah, sure. It's an sure, interesting yeah, look. So, uh, my second is Reed. As I said, uh, my my nephew passed away, and I wrote a piece called Running from Grief. It is at literateape.com under Don Hall. Um, I think it's a pretty good read, um, but, it, but, it, but it was sort of me struggling with how you grieve when there's shit to do. I mean, it's kind mm-hmm. of, for lack of a better way of kind of summing it up, is like, how do you appropriately grieve when you have so many details to deal with mm-hmm. in that situation? And so that's, that's the piece. So read it. Uh, it is, it is a very well-written piece. It's very moving. It's very touching. Um, and I hope it helped when you writing it just to oh, yeah. well, excise the, whatever the, you know, whatever it was going on. Three, day, three days while we were there to write it. So yeah. it uh, was, I was being written in real time. That's, I mean, it's kind yeah. of jumpy that way. Cause you can kind of tell I'm writing it as I'm going. Yeah. So, but that's, but it, it plays well. So yeah, the, well, but you. the, the interesting thing, like going back to your three day, your three day rule, grieve, mm-hmm. piss and moan, and then get your shit together. I think that some of the confusion probably stemmed from that approach because Sometimes the grief doesn't really kick in until all until the shit much is later. done. Because yeah. when the new normal sets in, you're like, "Oh, I don't have my nephew to call. Like today would be his yeah. birthday. I don't have that to. I don't. I don't have to call him or send him a card. Yeah. yeah. Or whatever it is. But like I said, that's I where assume, the weirdness kicks in. In the in the piece I said, I assume that the little landmines of grief yeah. are going to be there. They'll be they'll be fewer and farther between, but they'll still be there. And yeah. uh, there you go. You're yep. just gonna you're yep. just gonna do it. Yeah. Um, all right, so my last thing, uh, it's another read in The Atlantic again. Uh, this one is just kind of fun. David Brooker's uh, The Nuclear Family Was a Mistake. Yep. Interesting. And I saw that as literally, like, I was on the toilet flipping through my, you know, looking at my news, and I heard Harry and, and Katie screaming at each other, and I was like, huh, yeah, The Nuclear Family was probably a mistake. Let's read hey, that one. Katie. Okay. <laughs> hey, Katie, listen to this. <laughs> And get out a plastic bag for the kid. No, um, not the kid. Are you kidding? Nah, well, all right, there you go. Um, <laughs> and my my final thing is a watch. Uh, it is on YouTube. It is every Friday. It's Fridays Musing with Eric Lewin. Eric yeah, Lewin is a literate writer, yeah. and he is a stand-up comic. He's a former criminal defense attorney, and he is a stand-up comic here in Las Vegas. And he has been video, basically videoing him in his living room doing uh, a stand-up set about his life in pandemic. And it's funny as hell. Yeah. I just think he's he just right up my my alley. His speed. He's, he's he's a very very funny comic. He's a great guy. Yeah. And every every Friday he's been putting up, and they're only like it's like maybe seven minutes of him, yeah. doing jokes. You know, it's not it's not long, but every one of them makes me laugh yeah. every single time. So I uh, and you can find him at Eric Lewin on YouTube, and he's it's Friday's musings with Eric Lewin. I, yeah. I highly recommend it. I also recommend it. Good good call on that yeah. one. That's it. Yep. All right, and that's, that's the show. That's the show. Thanks for Sorry listening. Sorry for missing last week, and, uh, you know, we'll just keep on keeping on. We're just happy to have you back. Yep. You can listen to the Literate Apecast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast, Jones. If you enjoy listening to Two White Guys Holding Court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com.